KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Coming up here in a bit at 1220, we're going to talk about the murder rate in Los Angeles and the huge jump we're seeing in the murder rate. I don't see any mayors now taking responsibility for it, do you? Everybody wanted, where's the police chief now patting himself on the back for what a great job he's done? When crime rates were going down, they're always out in front of it, aren't they? Look what we did. It was mostly aging demographics. Are you playing uh, There Goes My Hero? Hero? Because oh, I said There Goes My Hero. He's ordinary. Yeah. Good catch, Larry. But first, let's get the latest on this manhunt. For the suspects in the death of an Illinois policeman, it's a couple of days old story now, but the manhunt is still going on. Ryan Burrow is with ABC News, Fox Lake, Illinois. We talked to him yesterday. He's very familiar with the area. I think you said, Ryan, you got married near where you are right now. Isn't that, isn't yeah, that correct? Yeah, a resort that's actually closed down right now. Maybe someday if I uh, work hard enough, I'll have enough money to reopen it. But, uh, yeah, this is still an active uh, situation, believe it or not. We were... We were hoping there was a press conference that happened uh, just under two hours ago. We were hoping that, uh, you know, we might get more information as to what they found, who it is they're looking for. Uh, someone from the ATF had hinted that maybe they know more about these suspects than, than they've let on. Um, but, no, we didn't get anything. They're still uh, collecting evidence at the site, still fielding uh, calls from uh, from people in the area as well as people out of state, people uh, across the across the world. They said they've been getting tips from. So um, this is still the beginning phases. And and when we asked kind of what the timeline would be uh, to wrap up the investigation, um, the commander told us there is no timeline. An officer's dead, and they're going to do their due diligence to uh, to make sure that that they you know got all the eyes and cross all the T's. Well, at least one network, I think it was CNN, said that the uh, the manhunt in that immediate area was over. And there would come a time, I guess, where you'd have to say, if we didn't find them in this area by now, or they, all three of them, are not here. Uh, they have expanded the search area, though, by quite a bit, haven't they? Yeah, so what we saw yesterday was this really intensive search in about a two-mile radius area. Uh, it was in this kind of wooded area, grassy area, swampy area that kind of uh, is in between Highway 12 and, and Illinois 59, and that's where they were focused, and that's where you saw a squad car literally every football field. Uh, they had 40-plus canine units out there. They had 400 police officers working, combing that area, doing a grid search today. Uh, that's not the case. There are no helicopters overhead. Uh, there's not nearly the police presence, not nearly the canine uh, units uh, that we saw yesterday. They said instead they're expanding it a little bit. Uh, it seems like the patrols are, are a little bit more mobile. Uh, even though there, there may be more police officers on staff right now, uh, they're not kind of focused in one centralized area. Well, yeah, it gets harder once it's spread out, especially if they don't have any kind of lead or trail to pick up on. Uh, it sounded like in that press conference, if they have anything like that, they're not saying. No, nothing. I mean, it, 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 it was kind of frustrating on our end. We were hoping to get, you know, just a little something to kind of grab onto. It's possible they don't have anything, uh, you know, but you know, Wisconsin's not too far away. Is it possible they, they travel to Wisconsin? Are they still on foot? Uh, or did they take a vehicle? Did you capture them on camera in any way? Uh, what kind of evidence did you pick up? We still, at this point, haven't got confirmation whether or not uh, the gun had been removed and the pepper spray had been removed as initially reported. Uh, they're no longer confirming that from the officer. So, you know, we're, we're still in kind of a situation where we don't know a lot of what happened leading up to the shooting and, uh, you know, where their leads are taking them as far as uh, evidence in finding these suspects. 
So anything more about what happened to the officer himself? I know they did an autopsy. Did they release any new information? That was the new information. An autopsy was conducted last night. Uh, we don't know where the officer was hit, whether or not that officer um, uh, you know, had anything on him or there was any kind of uh, indication of a struggle, anything like that. They're, they have not released any of that information to us. Uh, just telling us this is an active investigation. So, you know, all I can say is uh, I know it's going to be frustrating to hear and you want to learn more, and we're just as frustrated. Well, yeah, I can imagine. What are what are people reacting like as uh, we get, I know it's still midweek, but uh, you talked about that being kind of a vacation, weekend getaway destination for people driving up from Chicago. Uh, are people who live there year-round pretty freaked out about this, or are they taking yeah. it in stride? Yeah, no, I've talked to a few people. I mean, they're dealing with mixed emotions right now. They've got two emotions going. Number one, uh, they lost one of their own, a a well-known police officer, 30-plus year veteran to the force, a guy who many of these people knew, the mayor knew personally, and called him a dear friend. And on the other hand, uh, it's kind of a scary situation. You could potentially have three people who are believed to be armed and dangerous who are uh, wandering about free right now, and they don't know if they're in the area or not. Schools are closed today. These schools that were on lockdown yesterday, by the way, that was a real mess getting those kids out of there. I talked to some parents who said it took over an hour just to clear those kids out of the school after school had ended just to make sure they were safe. They decided to close all the schools today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow uh, as long as this search is still going on. Um, but, yeah, and, and, then, and then the pain and the grief, and uh, there's a, uh, a makeshift memorial here at the Fox Lake Police Station where I'm standing right now, and uh, people have been bringing balloons and flowers and notes, and, um, you know, it's, it, there are a lot of emotions going on right now. Well, this officer sounded like he was the real deal, right? Father of four boys, highly decorated. They had a nickname, G.I. Joe, which suggests to me, you know, he was a very diligent guy, but also retired first sergeant, U.S. Army Reserve, uh, involved in youth law enforcement training. It just, just sounds like the kind of cop that people want in their community, especially a small community like that. Yeah, and uh, tonight, uh, around 6 o'clock Central Time, the Boy Scouts, who he was very active in, in various programs with the Boy Scouts, are going to be holding a, a vigil uh, in his honor. And um, my guess, based on the fact of what people were saying at the press conference and the law enforcement officials that I've heard talking, uh, it's going to be very, very well attended by the community as well as uh, law enforcement agents uh, throughout northern Illinois. Are all the schools that were locked down yesterday open today? No, they are not. Uh, many of them have closed down, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They just, uh, the schools, they realized it was so difficult, to, you know, to assure the safety of these kids, many of whom walked to school. Um, they, they weren't going to risk it. Now, there's supposed to be a meeting later this afternoon. Police are going to be involved, community members, uh, school officials as well, and then they're going to figure out kind of how they're going to move forward through the rest of the week, whether or not school's going to happen tomorrow or Friday or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just remembering a, a massive manhunt we had in Southern California. You probably read about it where a former cop was targeting police officers and he was made his way out to a place called the Big Bear and they'd set up a command center. They were searching just like uh, you guys are searching up there right now. And we found out later he was hidden away in somebody's home just, you know, like a hundred feet from the main uh, command center for the, so you just don't know. These guys what? could be very close by or long gone. Anything is possible. The long gone theory, though, the, the police officer who was killed was chasing them. They were on foot at the time. So they would have, you'd have to have like a report of a stolen car or a missing person with a car before they, to, to know that they were in a vehicle, no? 
Exactly, and that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of what we want to know. If someone had a had a vehicle, you think uh, whether they stole a vehicle or hijacked a vehicle, um, you know, you think we'd know that by now. Of course, um, if you have a lot you know, of people who only come up on the weekend, they might not know their vehicle's been stolen until they arrive for the weekend. Exactly, there may be some homes, uh, vacation homes that people uh, aren't in right now that. that you know, people may be hunkered down in that aren't supposed to be there. So um, they've been going door to door, knocking on, on people's doors and checking IDs and everything like that. You brought up the case by you. I was in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, when the D.C. sniper shooting was going on. I mean, those guys were just going back and forth from Baltimore to Richmond, Virginia. You had no idea where those guys were, and they were staying around in the area. So I just saw, uh, you know, a lot of X factors here and a lot of things that they've got to kind of sift through and figure out what's going on. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate the update. Great job. All right, take care. Ryan Burrow in Fox Lake, Fox Lake, Illinois, where that manhunt is still going on, and uh, the schools are still shut, and people are still really scared. Understandably, you got three cop killers out there somewhere. Coming up next, the murder rate in Los Angeles. Pretty disturbing numbers. We'll try to figure out what's going on with that coming up. But first, an update from the KFI Newsroom. Here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. You think that uh, L.A.'s police chief, Charlie Beck, will man up and say... There's a real problem right now in the streets of Los Angeles, and I'm the police chief. I took the credit when crime, especially murders, went down in the city. I alone will take the blame now that crime and murder is on the way up. You think he's going to do that? Because I don't think he's going to do that. I think that's very unlikely that he's going to do that. In fact, you should hear the way he's babbling on about this cop talk stuff that he's using, which is just utter garbage coming out of his mouth, total BS. None of it makes any sense. It's actually kind of funny to try to muddle through it. But the reality is crime was going down across the country when it was going down in Los Angeles. Some of that was just demographics. Some of it was a three strikes law, good policing, breaking up gangs. Uh, and now it's going up. Well, some of that is because the murder rate across the country has gone up pretty sharply in 2015. And some of it has to do with the fact that we're releasing violent prisoners from our state prisons because the courts made us let them cut them loose. Jerry Brown said they wouldn't there wouldn't be an increase in violence, and there has been an increase in violence. I mean, it's as simple as that. What did you think was going to happen? You release these people from prison. There are, our arms would be open. Employers would say. Oh, you're looking for a job? Uh, what have you been doing the past five years? Well, I was in prison. But, you know, I got cut loose because of the new the new rules. We have to empty out the prisons. Oh, welcome. Here, work side by side with my daughter. You'll be fine. Because you, you'll have a hard time finding any street cop who doesn't know the answer to this or anybody who works in a DA's office. They'll tell you, some of them on the records, but most of them off the record. They'll tell you, well, that's what's going on. Jerry's kids are out there. They've been released. I like to lay it at his feet only because he refused to admit that it was going to be an issue. Uh, and he should have done that. He should have warned, and he should have been more forceful about it. But they'll tell you exactly what's going on. They'll tell you, yeah, a lot of really hardened gangbangers. The way the the rule works is that if your last offense was considered nonviolent, they'll release you. They said we were using uh, minor drug offenses to lock up gang leaders to get them off the streets. We were breaking up the leadership of these street gangs. That's why the gang violence was going down was good, smart policing, like putting Al Capone in prison for tax evasion. That's what they're doing. Now we're kicking them back out. I'm sure if Al Capone were in prison today, they'd say, it was a nonviolent offense. We'll kick them out. I mean, seriously, 
He wouldn't last five minutes in a California prison today for tax evasion. Are you kidding? Bye bye. Out the in the front door, out the back door. He would walk in with Lindsay Lohan and walk out with her at the same time. I mean, that's. But the rates, I mean, it's pretty scary, especially August. 39 people were killed in just the city of L.A. in August alone. 17 in South Los Angeles. And according to Charlie Beck's own own stats, 14 of them were gang-related. You think that has nothing to do with releasing prisoners? I, 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 come on. As for him, he's trying to pass it off as some just a demographic abnormality. It was a horrible month. Whether this is going to be a one-month issue or whether it's going to be something that we see for the rest of the year, it's something we're going to watch over closely. And we'll try to, here's where the cop talk comes in, mitigate through the application of resource, through the application of public will. Please tell me what that means. The application of public will. Okay, hold on. I'm going to help Charlie back here a minute. Mm, my hands are on my temples. Fingers are on my temples. Mm, I will it to go away, all this terrible crime. I'm willing it. Mm. Maybe I'll try to raise an object from the table while I'm at public will. The last time we had this many homicides in August, he said, was 2007. We'll continue to look at the violent crime picture. We're making some adjustments. The murder rate this year has gone up more than 9%. 189 people killed between January and the end of August. It was 173 the same time last year. Both are bad. This is worse. The social skills break down to such a level. Violence is the only answer for things that most people deal with on a daily basis. The social skills break down to such a level? Again, what are you talking about? This is something that has to be addressed at all levels, not just a police matter. So these kids don't have the social skill to talk things out. They just shoot each other. Is that, is that what it is? Overall crime is up more than 20%. But murder rates are up across the, the country. I mean, to be totally fair, 2015, 30 cities are reporting an increase in violence. And the people who study this stuff say it depends on the city. No one really knows what's caused the overall trend. The latest figures from the New York Times show that Milwaukee has been the, seen the biggest spike, 76%. St. Louis, 60% increase. Well, that could be ongoing violence related to cop shootings. And uh, Baltimore, up 56%. A lot of senior cops say that uh, the heightened scrutiny of use of force by officers may have caused them to withdraw from their everyday policing. They're just not as proactive as they used to be. You know, that makes a good point, and I talked about that at the time, that if cops have to second-guess every time they get out of their car, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to get out of their car, and that's going to mean the thugs feel like they got the streets back, right? The cops, and and would you? Would you want to be a police officer right now and caught on tape doing your job, especially if the suspect is not white? You know, whether you've got a legitimate reason to arrest them or not, I think that plays a big role in it too, but come on. Crime is going up. Every cop I know has told me the same thing. It's because in California, we're releasing too many people from the prisons who uh, really don't have anything else to do with their life or any other way to make money. But uh, will Charlie Beck ever admit that? Probably not. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the uh, attorney for the family who lost their precious daughter on the San Francisco Pier on July the 1st. They are now suing the federal government, ICE specifically, the sheriff, and more. 
and uh, we'll talk to him about why the lawsuit coming up next. But first, let's get an update from the KFI Newsroom. Here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Thinking about a sober September? Hmm. We're going to talk about that coming up about 10, 15 minutes from now. It's a heartbreaking story. Uh, I won't go over every detail of it because I'm sure you've heard that 32-year-old Kate Steinle was murdered and died in her father's arms on the San Francisco Pier on July the 1st. The suspect, Juan Francisco Sanchez, even admits he fired the fatal shot, but he says it was an accident. But the point of this lawsuit or these lawsuits is that he was an illegal immigrant who'd been deported five times before, was in the custody of the sheriff, and the sheriff released him. So the family wants this to change, and they've launched a bunch of lawsuits. And to do it, they've hired an attorney named Frank Petrie. We had a chance to talk to Frank about this and ask, is there anything that could have been done to stop the lawsuit from going forward? Absolutely not. It was really the frustration, the frustration over listening to what I want to call the political bickering between those from the sheriff's department and the city and county of San Francisco, both who were finger-pointing as to who was responsible for the release of this person. And I think it's the frustration that they had to sit there and listen to the finger-pointing that's going on and find out that it's their daughter that was caught in that crossfire and who lost her life. Yeah, they seem very emotional. I mean, it did seem to me like they just that somewhere along the line somebody could have come forward and taken responsibility and this would have given them at least a little bit of closure. I mean, you, they've lost this beautiful daughter. Nothing was ever going to change that. But that's how it felt, that they just, they're angry that no one is admitting that there was a problem here. And even worse, that there has been nothing to change the status quo. I mean, can you imagine that you have seen your daughter die in the case of her father uh, her dying in his arms and crying out for help. But obviously at that point, it was too late to provide any kind of help that would have saved her life. So her family, her father, believed that when she cried out for help, what she really was doing is telling this family not to let her death be in vain. So when you see that there's this finger-pointing where you have the mayor of the city and county of San Francisco saying that the sheriff should have cooperated with federal authorities to detain and deport those people. When you see ICE saying all they wanted was a phone call and they would have done so. And then when you see the sheriff that's saying, no, this is ICE's responsibility, they had to just complete required paperwork, and you see no change, they say this is going to happen again. So this was a decision to file this lawsuit to make sure that nobody else suffers the same consequence from bureaucratic confusion over who's responsible to detain and deport. And we're talking here about a seven-time convicted felon. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm looking at uh, Kate's picture when you're describing that, but I, I'm just gutted to hear the way you describe her death and what it means to the family. That's I, I promise I'll get to the legal thing in a minute. But can I just ask you personally, how how do you deal with that? It's got to be so tough to look at her parents in the eye right now. The emotion must be incredible. Uh, 
You know, the only thing I can do is say that this woman's spirit is guiding not only me, but her family to the right result. And I feel that she is entrusting me as the family is entrusting me with making sure that this woman's loss is not something that will be lost, that she didn't die in vain. So that's what motivates me. I know that's what motivates her family. Are they worried about getting involved in the politics of it or happy to be involved in the politics? Because, you know, with Donald Trump campaigning on illegal immigration, uh, this is a very powerful, uh, powerful additional story, you know, on the national scene that will get people talking about it. Is it. Do they see that as a good thing? Well, they've tried to avoid getting in the middle of politics, but I think they do understand that if discussing what happened to Kate can change the law and eliminate the confusion, then they're willing to go along only if it results in a real change. That's what they're interested in. They're interested in change. And, you know, regrettably, sometimes they get dragged into the political battle, but that is not their intent. Their intent is to change the law. Their intent is to hold people accountable to make sure this doesn't happen again. All right, so let's talk about accountability. How many people and organizations are you holding accountable for this? Three claims have been filed, and again, this all arises out of the finger-pointing. The city and county of San Francisco and their sheriff department, and the sheriff in particular, for having issued an order that directly violates federal law. So he failed to carry out his mandatory responsibilities to enforce the law and to cooperate with ICE, and that's the agency that is in charge of immigration and, in particular, the detention and deportation deportation of uh, people who are here illegally who have committed felonies. We we also sued... Well, well let's, let's stop you there. Sure. Uh, this is Frank Petrie, who's representing the uh, family of Kate Steinle, who was killed by someone who was in the country illegally, and we, we won't retell that story about how many opportunities they were to have deported this guy. Uh, so... Let's talk about the sheriff, because he's going to say, look, I was following city policy. Is he the right one to sue? Or this is a city everyone knows is a sanctuary city, and everyone knows that that's the city's attitude. Would it not have been better to go straight after the city and not the sheriff? Uh, Well, let me start off with he's not following uh, city policy. In fact, sanctuary city is his, what I want to call, excuse. The sanctuary city laws for the city and county of San Francisco were never designed to be a safe harbor for convicted felons who were here illegally. It was designed to protect innocent, undocumented uh, immigrants who were here and, and to protect them if they were reporting criminal activity. So it didn't want to subject some innocent person that was here as an undocumented immigrant from reporting crimes, whether they're victims of crimes or other crimes that are taking place. Sanctuary City was never intended to provide a safe harbor for a convicted felon who was here illegally. Okay, which is why you you go after the sheriff and not the city. Makes sense. Uh, And and then who else? Who else are you suing? We sued uh, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, because if you believe the sheriff, he says ICE was required to have issued either a warrant for the arrest of Lopez Sanchez or obtain an order to uh, demand that he be released from city and county of San Francisco into their custody. Custody. So he's saying 
ICE failed their mandatory responsibility to do required paperwork to get them transferred. So it, somebody has to be wrong here, or either they're both wrong, but they've both finger-pointed at one another for failing to do what the law required them to do. So do you think so, it's possible that they're both wrong, or are you just trying to sort out which story is correct and figure out which of those two takes the blame? Well, my job is real simple. My job is to say, you have admitted, Mr. Sheriff, that you believe this is the responsibility of ICE. So I'm taking this to a jury now. And I want you to decide, ladies and gentlemen, who do you believe here is at fault when you look at this law? Let them decide. And, Frank, why the Bureau of Land Management? Uh, that's, you know, superimposed on all of this. You have a ranger that was issued a pretty powerful uh, weapon, a forty caliber Sig Sauer. And law enforcement officers or the officers or rangers of the Bureau of Land Management have an operations manual that requires that those weapons be kept in a locked container with the ammunition, the bullets, separated from the gun. So the gun is unloaded in a locked container. Uh, we have obtained information from a reliable source that has told us that that gun was left in a backpack in plain view, the backpack in plain view with the loaded weapon in it. And that's the gun that was used by Lopez Sanchez. So we are suing them for a failure to follow regulations in the securing of a weapon that is foreseeably, in this case, uh, going to be involved in a criminal act. When you, you lock these guns up, it's there for a purpose, to keep them out of the hands of people who will misuse them, and they got into the hands of Lopez Sanchez. You're the lawyer, so you tell me, but it seems to me like Sanchez, you know, he's claiming it was an accident. That's, that's irrelevant, I think, in your case, because whether it was an accident or deliberate, all of those agencies still acted inappropriately along the way. Is that a fair thing to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for talking to us. Give us, uh, give the family our best. We're thinking about them. I really appreciate that. All right. Thanks for your Thank time, you. Frank. Bye-bye. Frank Petrie, the attorney for the Steinle family. Kate, dead at age 32. And, you know, they're working on Kate's law, and, and this that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. If you're deported from this country and you come back, they want an automatic five-year prison sentence. Five years. It doesn't sound unreasonable. You can go to our webpage because you can help lobby for that law by going to our webpage right now, kfiam640.com, on the Bill Carroll page. Just type Carroll into the top uh, search engine there. Two R's, two L's. Take you right there. KFIAM640, Bill Carroll. Wow, that pursuit got real, didn't it? Wow. That got crazy. Wow. Yeah. While we were in commercial break, it's now in Pico Rivera. The guy went off-road in this SUV. It was on the 605, came out into the, I guess, the Whittier, Whittier area. Yeah, Chase started in the Walnut area. And the guy went uh, beside some railroad tracks, and it was he lost the uh, cruisers that were following because it was really bumpy, and he was still going fast and fishtailing and leaving all the sand behind him. He and, really went off-road. Yeah, it got very bumpy. And then he jumped out and climbed a couple of fences. Well, because he couldn't drive anymore because he got to the end. Like, the dirt road started to narrow, and it looked like he was going to maybe slide a little bit in the dust and the dirt. Yeah, he had to bad. get out. Yeah. So he abandoned, and he also probably thought, hey, I lost the cruisers behind me. Right. So I got to get out. I got to try to get out of here. And then he jumped the fence, and he went down an embankment. Did you see him fall? 
He went down hard. Yeah. Did you notice, though, that he made sure to grab his hat before he got out of his car? Well, you got to have your hat. You He's in, a, like, a black sweatsuit, so it looks, like, really hot uh, running around in the woods there. It's next to uh, the 605. He got off the 605 southbound. He got off around Whittier. He was driving by those train tracks, and then the San Gabriel Riverbed is there, and that's some of the vegetation that you're seeing that he was running through. And it looks like he found a tunnel or some kind of drainage uh, thing to get into. If that was a motorcycle that just cruised by. He's hiding under some brush. We totally know where you are, dude. Come out. But the police have not arrived yet to, to come and get him out of there. Uh, unless but you he... see Highway Patrol staging the area. Yeah, they're yeah, starting, they're starting to, to surround approach. this guy. The only way he could get out of there is if he crawled through the underbrush and got away. But I don't think so. I think they pretty much know where he is. Oh, look at that. you got one, two, three, four, five officers on foot. They're looking right into the brush area. Oh, wait a second. Do you see that little concrete square area? Yes. I wonder if that's some kind of water thing that he could have gotten through. Well, he definitely got into something that looked like a drainage tunnel, something that could have passed through. So there might have been another. Hopefully they know where all of these outlets are. This guy could be already coming up in your toilet right now. You don't even know it. He's (laughs) popping up in somebody. Right? The lift lids up. There's a. Lifts up as a guy's head. A lot of vegetation there, though. The helicopter overhead is not able to locate this guy because he's either under some of that vegetation or in one of the tunnels. Thompson Espinosa is coming up. You're getting into it now, Mark. I love this. You've had, you've had is this microphone on? Uh, hello? No, you're on the wrong one. Okay. Grab that. Every one. single there we go. On. There, no, you go. You know what they did that was really smart? They color coded them and then they changed the color of the wires. <laughs> and so now you can't figure anything out. It's impossible. I just know if I were a cop, I could never. I've said this before, Bill, but uh, they're looking I, into that drainage area right now. Guns out. They're pointing down like on TV, you know, to come out of there. But uh, they don't have them yet. Does it feel like you're on the Conway that looks like show a big now? Area to look. This for is him. great. Conway gets all these chases. I'm very. I love. I, I love this, and I. I'm telling you, this would never be if with Officer Thompson trailing. I never would have let it get to this point. I'd pop, 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 pop. I'd be firing left <laughs> and right. Pop, pop, pop. My lieutenant will be on the radio. Officer Thompson, please cease fire. Cease fire. I'm getting him. I'm getting him. Was it bad that I was hoping it was going to overturn? He's just going to flip it up. We all are. You look for a yeah. big finish. I'm like course. what a jerk. What are you doing? Just yeah. You know, pull over and get shot already. What, what's going exactly. on? Exactly. I'm guy's, telling you. This guy's got somebody's TV in the trunk or something. It's not right. He's a, burg- he's a burglary. Do we know what he stole? We don't no, know no. no details on that yet. Hey, by the way, you probably want to know about this. I should just mention it is Sober September. This has become a ritual for a lot of people. I, I didn't know about Sober September. Where you give up drinking for an entire month. Let your liver recover. Maybe lose that little beer belly you picked up in the ha! backyard all year. Is this some kind of intervention I walked in on? Yes. This is, I'm, a little, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. I'm going to start drinking for September. I don't drink enough. I'm just going to be drunk every day Tough on the show very nervous right for the now. entire just, month of September. Don't try to cover it up. I know you're talking about me, aren't you? <laughs> well, this is really this is really quite awkward. It does no good. You know what? If you're thinking about sober September, give it. Uh, don't bother. Did this point. guy get away? This, he okay, might be the one guy. They, they can't find this guy in the brush. I think he might have gone through that pipe. Is that what they think? I think uh, it looks like he might have. There was a there's a pipe underneath. Because they had cameras on it the whole time. All right, coming up on Thompson Espinosa. Oh, we're going to get into Uber. We're going to get into uh, we're going to get into something that I'm starting to laugh, but it was so funny. We have the audio from this morning when they announced the new cast of Dancing with the Stars. Oh man, what a total mess! 
Uh, Paula Dean is among the, the cast members, and it is just so much fun to listen to. So we have that audio. We'll talk about the reclassification of Uber potentially um, in that class action suit. And so we'll get into some serious stuff, some lighter stuff. It's going to be a lot of show. Almost too much show, really. Almost. Plus, you'll keep up to date on this, right? Oh, my God, yes. They can't find this. this guy. Look, they're looking into this dark See, if culvert. I, if I were an officer, I'd just be firing down that dark pipe without even seeing anybody. They need to look where that, that pipe comes out. That's where that guy's gone. He's, You know what? He's at home right now watching Channel 7. <laughs> saying, they, they didn't get me. I got away. I'm the one guy who got away. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.